What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The King of Podcasts Radio Network proudly presents The Wrestling Is Real Podcast because wrestling needs us. This episode is as good as any here on the Wrestling Is Real Podcast to revisit a story that I have kind of arced here over the past two years, roughly the last two years, and that is the ongoing growing new wrestling alliance so another nwa but not the same as a national wrestling alliance but the same kind of idea because we always talked about here on the program that a number of companies were acting as their own territories if you will since there's no such thing as the regional territories anymore which we had back in the 50s 60s 70s and 80s we have television territories and what has happened now with this new crop of wrestling territories that have come up these wrestling promotions that are now national and also global to a certain extent and some that are outside the country that have also decided to go ahead and take advantage and really optimize the talent exchange cross promotion at a time more than ever i mean it's being done now at a pretty extensive rate and it's a great thing to have happen it's very important for anyone right now in order for WWE to have any kind of real competition and has to be as a wrestling collective. It has to be as a group of companies that are progressive, a bit like-minded, very hungry and they're very active in trying to do something more with their product. And for the most part, I'd like to think that a number of these companies, they don't necessarily have the WWE fans watching. We know that. There are a lot of fans that are diehard bubble fans that live and breathe within the WWE bubble, which that includes NXT, Raw, and SmackDown. And look, the fact of the matter is that WWE, you need to understand and take this as a fact. It's a fact of life. NXT is WWE's answer to all those other organizations. Do you understand that? We've been had. We've been led to believe which originally the intent of NXT was a developmental system, the future stars of WWE. Now, what happens now is that you do have stars that have been made in NXT or have pretty much gotten the polish in NXT and they are given a tryout in WWE. But we know that they're going to be subjected to a humble experience. They're going to be starting off brand new. Whatever their record, whatever their successes, whatever adulations, titles they have accrued in another, in, in the sense of NXT, regardless if it is a WWE-owned entity, it doesn't matter. We're very apparent about that. Rhea Ripley, she might have gotten the title shot and won it. Bianca Belair, after a while, she was very well well uh, lauded and got a chance to win the title and won it. When you look at Riddle, you know, he's getting a pretty well good shake right now by the company, which I really have said week and week after week, never thought it would be him. But then you look at the rest of the roster, the stars that have had some good indie praise for years whether it's all the mainstay ring of honor stars which is the indisputed era 
and the split up of that, whether it's, I mean, that's the, that's the last of the Ring of Honor crop. Otherwise, we have other stars that have come in from other organizations that, you know, they're not as known. But we have to go and look at what's going on. Damian Priest is still not been buried at all. He's actually been pretty out, pretty much put out there pretty well. And to try to understand the rhyme of reason of who WWE decides to go and select to bring on board to be much more important with Damian Priest, the fact that he got to work with Bad Bunny and that opportunity and how well that turned out, Damian Priest is going to be left in a good light. The fact that Randy Orton's getting to work with Riddle is also working for Riddle in a good light. When you have these standalones, like a carry-on cross or a Keith Lee, the, there was a report now that carry-on cross, if not for Jeff Lee getting co- Jeff Hardy getting COVID, almost I know what I said, Jeff Hardy getting COVID, which just has not been officially reported yet, but that's the story that's been going around. The other story that's been going around is that carry-on cross was expected to lose to Jeff Hardy a second week in a row. Keith Lee would have probably have lost to somebody else anyway. Once again, someone else that is under this realm here that's being humbled. If you're coming in from NXT, you're being treated no less than you were in WCW. If you were an outcast from WCW or ECW in a way. Or actually, you know, almost... Well, TNA, you can't really say that much either because all the TNA stars have actually done well from this company. But within their own company, NXT is secondary. It's an inferior product. When you look at what happened with the ratings for NXT this week, you know, the audience was going to have a little struggle to find NXT on sci-fi. They probably didn't remember that. And it affected the ratings. It did take a, a good hit. I mean, about... Almost 30% of the audience missed NXT the first run. The ratings have been steady for SmackDown and Raw, regardless. So those are the shows that matter. And that's what matters right now to WWE. Because the emphasis, the focus is also on those shows. And some of the people that have brought back over to those shows, It's that is the focus right now of the company. It's like they were talking about where the Colin Cowherd interview with Nick Khan back in April, that raised the new light again about the fact that the company is a sports entertainment company. Yes. For wrestling fans out there, you have to understand that WWE is going to be looked at in a different light. They're a mainstream company. They're going to be the least professional wrestling company there is. They are showcasing the sport of professional wrestling. But they are far and away removed from calling it that. Okay. Yes, it's a professional wrestling company when you really look at it from a bird's eye view. But the company's portrayal of said pro wrestling company is sports entertainment. I heard, you know, Bully Ray and David Greco from Busted Open talk about that. And they made a big deal about it. They focused our Monday podcast on it. Got it. But for me... I've understood this, and this is why I don't focus here, because if I did just focus on being angst-ridden about all the shortcomings that NXT has and why it continues to falter, which is why the WWE creative is always faltering, if I had that, then I would just be complaining like other podcasters out there. I would just be on bitching, moaning, complaining, and I could only withstand some of that. Just said some people on YouTube that do their shows and yell, listen, I respect what he does. He's got a great gimmick going and he's a passionate fan. But after a while, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. But also, it's been the same thing that's been going on for years and years. It, we know that. We just have to come to grips about the fact that as an internet wrestling community, this is what is happening right now. And the company now 
when it's no longer vulnerable because they were subjected to Thunderdome shows, they had the live crowds back. They're fully back on tour. Things are back the way they're supposed to be again. They're selling merchandise. They're getting crowds out there. And they could put out a subpar Raw like they did this past Monday night. And they're doing just fine, as they always do. They can do the same rehash championship contender matches, which you know I called it on Twitter. That's the latest... Uh, the fact that they call them championship contender matches, that probably worked in a, their latest focus study group that they did at, at whatever, Fox or NBC Universal. They said, you know what, Vince, you need to put that in your shows. And Nick Khan, probably by directive of him at Titan Tower, says, no, start calling them championship contender matches. Yeah, you can put it, you know, paint on a, an old house, but the old house is still old. Okay, fresh coat of paint. It doesn't matter. But I'm already used to that. When I look at Nikki Ash, they, you know, sandwiched Charlotte Flair and Nikki A.S.H. front and back of Raw. And at the end of the night, no cliffhanger. Instead, they set up a match where Charlotte was going to take on Nikki. Charlotte beats Nikki. Nikki then admits defeat and, for whatever reason, wants a rematch. So, no resolution in a three-hour show. No change. It's not Rhea Ripley going after Nikki. No, no. We're going to get Charlotte now and Nikki again. There's no reason for it, but we're going to get that. But even the fact they even did the promo and Charlotte accepted the, ma the match doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to get outraged over that. This is normal. This is the norm. This is the thought process of this company. Meanwhile, there's other things they do right. Sure, you don't like Lashley stockpiling his former Hurt Business cohorts who were billed equally with him back in the Thunderdome days, and now they're just you know a couple of guys going back to catering? Okay. You can complain about this all you want, and I could go ahead and go chapter and verse about everything that's going on with all these shows. I'm not going to do that tonight because my focus tonight is the fact that we have the alternative, and the alternative is growing and forming in some way that is really remarkable. And we know that there are a number of names that we talked about last week. I didn't bring up CM Punk. I did bring up the report of Daniel Bryan. But let me just state first, nobody said anything yet about them being officially signed. There has been no official announcement. This is still speculation. But enough people in the know, whether it's uh, the FIFA folks or if it's Wrestling Observer and Dave Alvarez, my, uh, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, they're all talking about it because there's obviously rumblings. Okay? Something, something credible is happening, but nothing's being announced because AEW is being smart on not saying anything. They don't want to spoil the surprise. But too many indicators say the otherwise. The fact that Daniel Bryan most likely has signed the writing of the wall where things are and CM Punk, with the way that Dynamite was handled tonight, the announcement of the first dance and Chicago hosting an AEW Rampage Friday, what is it, uh, August 20th, right? And they're going to be hosting it at the United Center. That's a pretty big venue. Chicago, they already know they can, you know, they can fill out good 10,000 seats. But they're trying to go ahead and go big market to a big arena. They've already sold, what, 16,000 seats at Arthur Ashe Stadium for New York City or uh, Brooklyn or Queens, whatever it is. So they're already selling out that show, and they're adding more seats. And Chicago, they're trying to build a big crowd for that, too. Two major markets. And Darby Allen throwing an Easter egg that he's, want, he's ready to go in, up against the best in the world. All that right there just says everything. But uh, I have to say, and I'll talk about Dynamite a little bit later on. What a fantastic show. And uh, really, I will bring it up because of this ongoing conversation. My conversation, the main focus is what I say is WWE versus the New Wrestling Alliance. And that is AEW at the very top, who is formidably... They are positioned now as the number two wrestling company on television in America. Hands down. They own it. They're not, they are growing and they are the fastest growing promotion right now in the country. Last two weeks, 
They pulled over a million viewers, one point, almost 1.2 million viewers last week. After tonight and seeing Jericho and Nick Gage go after each other with light bulbs, with light sockets of bulbs and, and, and pizza cutters, yeah, that show's going to pop a good rating because I think the cliffhanger of the MGF labors of Jericho, that's getting over, plus they're getting some really good matches up and down the board, just stack cards. And a lot of interesting new stars that have that have been absolutely been kept in the limelight right now. When you look at the consistent booking of AEW, Andrade with another great promo tonight, Malachi Black with another attack on Cody because it's leading up to the match with Malachi Black and Cody at homecoming next week in Jacksonville. Then you have Christian Cage in action Handling this thing against the Matt Hardy office. That's all working well. The Hardy family office. Miro as TNT champion. Continuing to be booked strong. A lot of projects they have worked with worked with, and tried to move along with been great. Seeing Hangman Page and Forley, Hangman Page in the, dark, in the Dark Order lose their title opportunities. That all sucks. But, hey, what an important match to have. What a way to go and do the whole Space Jam gimmick. With the elite coming out, that was pretty funny. It was all, you know, they're having fun over there while they're at it. I don't know how much fun it is to be in that company, but they look like they're having fun. And it's unpredictable. They're definitely just like moving it around. There is no predictability in this company. Right now, it's not. They're booking against the grain of what WWE would be doing. Except for the exception of probably their main event angles. I mean, the fact that Finn Balor now is going to challenge Roman Reigns, we don't know where that's going to go, when that's going to get booked, and why John Cena's not getting that title shot yet, but we got a few weeks before SummerSlam. So while WWE is running along its own lane, their big super highway, you know, this they are the powerhouse in all of wrestling. But then this collective this alliance of companies and what they're doing with AEW at the very top being willing to bring on new stars and obviously they're doing some talent exchanges and also doing the same thing where some stars are getting signed but you'll see that some stars get to work other organizations so Thunder Rosa now is officially all lead but I don't know if anything was being said about the fact that she got to work Impact Wrestling same anniversary, or you know, got to work at NWA, or if she still does work at NWA for any way, way safer time. The fact that a number eighty AEW stars can work in New Japan, or some can work in AAA. Like there's some stars that are allowed to have some maneuvering to work other shows. Like Joey Janela can work other shows and still be working all elite. Like there's all this going on. Because AEW, much like the other companies in this new wrestling alliance, they're not they're not behooving to exclusivity because they need to hold on to these stars for fear about what they're doing somewhere else. There's a talent exchange going on. Everybody is benefiting. The AEW Impact Wrestling relationship. Now, it's interesting where Kenny Omega is still the Impact World Champion. The ratings have not necessarily... You know, made a lot. I mean, there's still a lot of buzz for that for their programming in general. But you know, people are talking about it. Impact Wrestling is on is the right now the consistent third, in my opinion, right now, and that's good. I like where things are going right now with Impact Wrestling. That's a consistently good show to watch. They've have got some great stars that are working right now. I mean, they got good champions right now, so. Deanna Parasso is the Knockouts champion. Love it. Rosemary and Havoc, Knockout Tag Team champions. Love it. Josh Alexander, Exhibition champion. Love it. They got a lot of good, consistent stuff. And now with the crowd, now with their audience, and the Jay White inclusion, which we got the information about that. And for those that might have complained to me about me not saying that the Jay White confronted the Bullet Club, well, I should have said the Bullet Club elite, but still, we already know there's some kind of friction between the original Bullet Club where Jay White was a member and this elite group now. We know there's a bit of a friction there. 
and we know that Kenny Omega and Jay White, probably down the line, there's going to be a match with them somewhere, somehow. But Jay White coming in, Finn Juice coming in, and the New Japan references, and then the Bound for Glory promotion, where we know that AEW is included. Triple A, Lucha Libre is included. We know the NWA is included. I mean, there's some great stuff. The, okay, the, the for instance, now, the NWA Empower Show that's going to be running in St. Louis next month, and Mickey James is going to be producing that show. She's getting to go ahead and buck in and get some great talent from all these promotions. The only one that's not playing ball, which is unfortunate, but I mean, they're doing the same thing with their own talent exchanges, but for whatever reason, Ring of Honor is like the odd company out. So they're not really in this, but they are kind of in that same kind of alliance because they work with CMLL. They were trying to work with CMLL. They were trying to work with other organizations. And I can imagine they're trying to, maybe they're going to still work on some new organizations, some new talent exchanges, because they should. They definitely need to do that for themselves. But I put them in there anyway, because they've been part of that. And maybe they'll find their way back. So I'm not just shutting them out, because they're in the conversation as well. Because really, Ring of Honor needs to be talent exchanging themselves. Some of their stars need to be get some exposure on other shows. But unfortunately... Whatever they did with new with the NWA has tarnished. They're not with MLW. MLW has got a number of organizations to work off of when it comes to Bro Wrestling Noah or AAA or, you know, whatever. I mean, they have their own thing they're working on as well. And it's great. But everybody's doing the same thing. So Bound for Glory, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of the cross promotion for that event. But then we know Empower is going to get some promotion from that because Deanna Peraza is going to defend prior knockouts title and Empower of N at the NWA uh, at the NWA show. So you got that. And who knows if the NWA 73rd anniversary show will have somebody on there as well from Impact Wrestling or some other organizations. But behind all these companies, some forward-thinking people that are looking to try to really do what's best for the wrestling business. Scott Demore and Don Callis, you have to give credit there. Regardless of where Don Callis' status really is and just as a talent, or if he still is more or less behind the scenes at Impact Wrestling, Billy Corgan over NWA, and Tony Khan, and the Young Bucks at Kenny Omega, and Cody Rhodes and all those folks at AEW. And then whatever New Japan's doing, to also foster. And the fact that, you know, New Japan at least did talk to WWE at one point, they're willing to go and talk to them. But the relationships that can be made that New Japan can make getting back into the U.S. after the pandemic, uh, everything kind of subsides where they can go and get back to traveling again and doing shows back in the States says a lot. There's just so much there. And this kind of cross-promotion, it's not going to benefit so much in the ratings, probably, but a lot of shows, everybody's going to be watching other programs. I just, you know, I don't know if the cross-promotion has done much in terms of the ratings for other places. I think AEW's probably benefited from some of that cross-promotion. I mean, they did main event Lance Archer and John Moxley for a non-AEW title on their show last week, and it did very well. They also featured another feature match this week. And Moxie will go out and go after Tanahashi most likely at some point. And then you'll know that Lance Archer is going to have to go defend the IWGP US heavyweight title overseas. But those titles mean something over here as well. And the fact that some of these other organizations, you know, they also have TV time. They also have great stars to work with. Most importantly, it's the idea that what really benefits are the diehard fans, the fans that are not just WWE fans, like myself. We all hear the talk about dream matches, but you can't do that unless both stars, if you want the sun in WWE in the biggest spotlight possible. That's why people want it. 
They want it in the biggest spotlight possible with the most amount of people watching it. The biggest arena, the biggest lights, the biggest showcase. I get it. But the company has to be willing to have both participants there and be booked as high as they should and booked properly. There was a time where CM Punk and Daniel Bryan were in the same company together. Never got that match. Or had them across the ring from each other, as far as I know. So, or maybe they did and I forgot. And listen, I might be talking uh, talking on my ass when I said this, so I'll take that back because I can't confirm. I can't remember it. But either which way, the fact that a CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, those two gentlemen could be heading to AEW, not just to work in AEW. This is not the relationship they would have in WWE because of the fact of the matter is, it's the options to work in, uh, with other talent across various promotions. For Daniel Bryan, if he wants to work Japan, if he wants to work Mexico, if he wants to work whatever, there's opportunities to go work across the board. The relationship for AEW New Japan is there. It's obviously pretty strong and prominent, which is great. And Daniel Bryan getting a chance to work in Japan as an AEW talent is huge. And he will get to work those dream matches. He will be reinvigorated to work again because all this new talent he can go after. Could he go into Impact Wrestling with a relationship being made with AEW Impact Wrestling? Why not? A plethora of matches that Daniel Bryan can be having as the veteran going after some real young up-and-coming stars. That's that's the approach. CM Punk, the same thing. I mean, wouldn't you want to go and see? It's not just because these are former WWE stars coming into AEW. doesn't matter to me about them. It's the opportunity of all the matches they could have. That they could work. CM Punk work in Japan? <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I think CM Punk, you know, with what he could command right now, because of how long he's been away, and how big of a deal he was when he when he was let go in WWE or left for his own accord. There's a lot to be said, but it's a wonderful thing. There's so many stars that get the opportunity now to work with these two stars. Look at the opportunities right now that are going to be happening for Andrade and Malachi Black. Andrade's only had one match so far on television, but there's just so much more he could be doing. Plus, he could be doing things over in Mexico, obviously working over that way. And the same goes for Malachi Black. What could he be doing? AEW has the stars, much like a Ring of Honor a few years ago, had the stars that New Japan wanted to work with. Because then New Japan, getting to go ahead and have that cross promotion with the American stars moving over. Imagine the matches and imagine the stars that would get a real boost by working when you look at both sides of the aisle, Tanahashi, Naito, you know, there's just so much that goes right there. And then you look at the same thing when it comes to the stars going back over to New Japan that I've already been working there with Lance Archer and John Moxie and Kenny Omega. Shit. And Chris Jericho. Like, there's just so, so much there. And what other stars could get the opportunity to work Japan as well in that same vein? That would get that opportunity. There's some very interesting names that could go over. And also the Impact Wrestling is getting to work with stars over here that could also make their way over. Plus, remember when Wrestle Kingdom was a thing, that's the other thing you got to worry about. We know WrestleMania, SummerSlam, they're going to be big deals. But when you look down the line and you look at next January coming up, the two-day Wrestle Kingdom. Hopefully, we cross our fingers and toes that Japan and whatever's been going on right now with the Delta variant and all the uh, vaccinations and the rise in cases, whatever kind of locking down or whatever kind of restrictions that are being made right now, hopefully in the next six months will all subside. We could all hope and pray. But man, if we get a Wrestle Kingdom and we get that back over there, Imagine Tokyo Dome bringing that show back and New Japan featuring several of the world titles of other organizations. What if the AEW title was defended 
a AEW title match at Wrestle Kingdom? What if the Impact World title was defended at Wrestle Kingdom? I just would keep myself kind of ears peered on this. We already know the impact of cross-promotion. Chris Jericho going over to Japan, well, this was where he wasn't cross-promoted anywhere because he was on his own. But we know that the exposure in other organizations, if it wasn't for New Japan Wrestle Kingdom and the match that Omega and Jericho had, we all know Tony Khan, that was what lit the fuse to really say, let's make all elite wrestling a thing. Let's make it the legit deal. Let's make it happen. The kind of crowds that could be had with some super shows. I don't know where Bound for Glory, the Bound for Glory is supposed to be in Las Vegas. We don't know what the venue is yet. But if they're able to book this show as a super card, where could they book this show at? Where could they take this that it would be a venue? Could they escalate where they get some matches going on, set up for Bound for Glory, where maybe the show won't be at Samstown? Maybe they'll have to pick a bigger venue. Okay? Dare I say, there's an arena, and I'm trying to remember where it was that I went to Dare I say, what if Las Vegas, if they're going to hold Bound for Glory, what if the chance was they decided to go and move their facilities over and say, okay, let's go ahead and take the show to the campus of UNLV. Now, one place I could go is the Cox Pavilion, which is the women's venue for women's basketball for UNLV. Now, that venue right there can hold up to 3,000 fans. That will be significantly bigger than probably the 1,000 they hold at Samstown. For instance, if they go to Thomas and Max Center, which is the home at UNLV, UNLV basketball, if they put it there, well, that place is 19,522 or 18,000. Old arena, but the thing is, they could probably set that set up for a better show as well and be able to do something like that where you know if they want to make it 10,000 if they could get 10,000 people at a bound for glory god forbid they could do it if they're able to why not i mean they're not going to go to mgm grand they're not going to go to t-mobile arena no that's not going to happen but we already saw how the super show happened the super card for ring of honor and new japan worked and they were able to sell out Madison square garden they did the fact of the matter is it was, regardless of what you think. That happening could very well happen. AEW now already pushing the limit right now. They are showing their increase. This is what's going to get... We already know that every time they do all that all in, always get some kind of a crowd. They did it over at the end of the Double or Nothing show a couple of years ago. Same thing. Now, if AEW successfully sells out New York and Chicago... They sell at the United Center. Full crowd there. Man, that's going to say a lot. And the kind of crowd they get for that and the kind of spurning they're going to get for that as well says so much about what people are going to be saying that WWE is going to have to take notice. They're, but not they're not going to respond. They're not going to react. But this new wrestling alliance... You know, this whole kind of system has been starting in place since 2019. The advent of AEW started this. The fact that Impact Wrestling was able to rebuild and get themselves back to somewhere where they can get themselves back on. Someplace they could restart again. Anthem. NWA restarting again. Remember, the fact you're getting their 73rd anniversary next week. When we started talking about NWA again was the 70th anniversary show because that was Billy's first show. That was the big pay-per-view that started under that banner. So three years later, we got the TV show. He's starting to make some money. He's doing some things with stars over there. He's making a difference. Wonderful. And that's great. And you can see that there's some people that are allowed to go work on their organizations. And with Juice Book, I saw it. We worked over at... Uh, 
MLW's Battle Riot, and who knows if MLW and NWA have a little bit of a relationship, but we see certain stars working certain places. And we just don't know what happens next. You know, a number of these companies are able to go and take some decent venues. They could get 1,000, 2,000 people in an arena, and they could sell it out. I mean, MLW sold out the 2300 arena. That kind of that ECW feel again. They got that. There's a number of companies are starting to feel like that size again with that kind of television audience. So we're getting more of an exposure of wrestling than we ever have. As we said, we got wrestling five days a week, plus the pay-per-views. Consuming ourselves with wrestling if you really wanted to. Because it's good like that. Well, now I got six days a week because I'm watching MLW again. Now that that's back. So everybody's got their own kind of agenda of what they're doing. But when you look at how each company's doing it, AEW, we know extensively what they've been doing. They have a very strong relationship with New Japan. We're seeing their showcasing their stars, Hikaleto this week. The Good Brothers who also work in New Japan. Like all these relationships. And then where it comes down the line where Daniel Bryan or CM Punk make their way in. If CM Punk would make his joyful return back to his hometown, Chicago, for the United Center show. And then where does he go from there? Like he doesn't have to just work AEW. The relationship would allow him to work other organizations, I'm sure. So who could he go and take on? Like there's a lot of matches we could see. You know, CM Punk John Moxley, CM Punk Kenny Omega, CM Punk Adam Page. I mean, just, you know, lay down a line. Andrade, Malachi Black. Like this. There's so many great matches that can be had right now. AEW has such an amazing roster. Their roster, you're going to probably hate me. Some of you fans will probably hate me for saying this, but it's starting to become the fact that I'm starting to see more main eventers or future main eventers in AEW than I am in WWE. And that's, that, that's the fault of WWE itself. It's not against the wrestlers. I'm just saying the booking, the presentation. You're seeing more main event talent likely in AEW right now. That's the way I look at it. That's just the way it looks. The other organization that is trying their best to really just, what I called last week the gateway of professional wrestling is Impact Wrestling. And E-Wrestling News actually reported on that over the weekend, and I want to take this story because I like where Kyle Dunning actually put this out there. Thought he was actually bringing a good point. <clears throat> now, Kyle goes into quite a bit of the story of the company itself when it comes to what they've done as a whole, you know, in the TNA days. The World Cup, the World X Cup, the Super X Cup, excuse me, the X Division, New Japan also doing work right there within the company. And having some of the stars working over there. And then he also writes now, quote, after emerging victorious from the Monday Night Wars, WWE monopolized the business. Worldwide ratings, it was nearly impossible for anyone to get a slice of the pie. And TNA Wrestling emerged as a platform to serve an alternative wrestling uh, option for those that weren't buying sports entertainment. That's where AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, Eric Young, Motor City Machine Guns, LAX, Abyss, James Storm, Robert Roode, and the Knockouts Division definitely stood out. Amazing. Not only that, TNA became a place for anyone who didn't want or could no longer work for Vince McMahon. Well, TNA was just the one hub at that time. You know, we're talking about 10 years ago. And then that whole spirit of wanting to work somewhere else and not working over there, the point was that that's what this whole movement has come from. The idea that the whole company has changed, that, that all these different companies have come in, they're all under the same playbook. They are places for anyone who didn't want or could no longer work for Vince McMahon. Now, TNA was probably the blueprint for where we are now. They were a viable alternative through the encouragement of cross-promotion. 
The only couple they struggled to deal with was Ring of Honor because they were fighting over the same piece of land. Some collaboration, but their fighting or being called the number two company in America worked against them, costing the company to flourish as a team. And then you had Hulk Hogan come in, and that basically that whole idea kind of just re- really just screwed things up. And Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff trying to go and resurrect some of the other talent doing a short tune boost for the company. You know, that's what they did. And it truly did hurt the company. Well into the 2010s. And what they did in the Hogan Bischoff era of TNA was create a lot of frustration for those who watched the original product. They threw everything the fans grew to love in the trash or nostalgia acts. Sounds like something we're seeing right now in WWE because that's the old thinking. No one ever asked for the X Division to become a cruiserweight division. Nobody asked for another New World Order or Immortal or Four Horsemen, Fortune. There was nothing original about it and keeping talents exclusive frustrated them because they couldn't work extra dates. The fans were too because they couldn't get any surprises. Now, TNA did see a boost in ratings but a catastrophe on expenditure. Management was encouraged not only to go live every week, but it started touring despite not having the capability to do so. In 2013, the company was a major debt. We know the story. And as we know, in the Anthem era, the new management made serious cutbacks. They had such a down period because Anthem had to move operations to Canada, get rid of expensive referees, cut back on production, and let go of some big town asking for more money and creative patrol, control. Excuse me. The smartest thing was getting Scott Demore and Don Callis into manage because they were around the golden age of TNA. They already proved they could make stars out of nothing, which is a good point because those guys were in the old TNA when things were flourishing. So the vision of TNA has been reinvigorated and restarted 15 years later as Impact Wrestling. Gradually under their leadership after so much ridicule, after so much financial turmoil, it slowly gained back some respect. Year on year, critics predicted it would be their last. Somehow, the last year never came, kept on going like an undead zombie, hard to kill, which is why it's great they have a pay-per-view name of that such. But the company has escaped being put out of its misery several times. And it's still our critics because Anthem bought Access TV. The network can never cancel them. Very few people have access to it. The easy issue, you have TNA Plus, the pay-per-views online every week, the Twitch channel, the Impact Plus app. And they had to find a way to be original and find worldwide appeal. So going back to their roots, they went back to being an all-in on cross-promotion. Not just to the point of having a few guys show up, but by crowning AEW World Champion Kenny Omega as the Impact World Champion. You might struggle to find Impact Wrestling on your TV. I don't because it's on my cable. But regardless of that, it was kind of tough to keep watching Impact Wrestling because it was kind of hard to find. With all the changes from Destination America to Pursuit Channel, there was a lot of movement. But it stayed on and survived, I must admit. And then we talk about the Forbidden Door. Trapping back in January for New Japan to step back through, bringing in Bullet Club members like Gene White and El Phantasmo, and even got Billy Corgan to get the green light to have Mickey James at Slammiversary. She would plug the all women show NWA in power in exchange for the Knockouts champion, Diana Perazzo, getting to wrestle her in the main event. Then you have double triple A crossovers like Black Taurus. So Impact Wrestling, now based in Canada, has become a central hub where anyone from All Elite Wrestling, A, Triple A, NWA, and New Japan can show up. I would hope, in my own personal opinion, I'd love for MLW to be involved in this. If there was a way to get MLW involved, Court Bauer, do something here. Come on. You got some good stars. Come on. Contra unit. You're making hammers to the next Hulk Hogan. I saw what you did at Battle Riot 3. Great stuff. Tom Lawler. All right. <laughs> Just Richard Holiday. They got some good stars over there. And they're starting to rebuild. And you got Dario Cueto. You know, uh, Cesar Duran. The... The new matchmaker, formerly of Lucha Underground. Like, shit, that's wonderful. It's good stuff. So Kyle moves along and says, It's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Amen. 
I love the way he says this because almost everyone outside out of outside of WWE are getting together and making deals. Yes. And I said this, how many times have I said it? I'm going to repeat it one more time. You do not have to be in WWE in order to make money. You don't have to do that. So Impact now, they started by having the balls to have an AEW guy over one of their own, knowing it would increase ratings on online exposure. The ratings haven't gotten there yet. They've gotten some sparks, but not enough yet to really make it go over the top. But also, it's not a live show every week. They're just they're taped, so people get spoiled, and then they'll just decide to go and watch what they do. So 100,000, viewers regularly, that's about what they're going to get. But Impact has once again showed the way forward, like the way women were treated as equals in the knockout division long before any other revolution, because they have. Meanwhile, WWE has lost their way with their respective women's divisions. The knockout division has been consistent. They got very good wrestlers, women wrestlers that just kick ass, Okay. They just do. Deanna Prasso, you got Tennille Dashwood. They got good stars over there, okay? It's just, don't knock it. It's unfortunate Kerry Hogan's going, by the way. I want to make that point. The Nazi fire and flavor being staying together kind of sucks. It really does. But they're just good stars over there. They got some good, good, good talent over there. It might be a minnow in the ocean, but Impact Wrestling has once again proven it can lead bigger fish to cleaner waters. Where it goes from here could be something we've never seen before. It's just got to, the, the payoff's got to go back to Impact Wrestling. But we're only six months into this so far. It just started going on. What needs to happen is what happens when Kenny Omega has to drop that belt? Who's going to be the one to get it? And then where will he get to go and cross promote his own as a title holder as well? Like that's what's 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 gonna happen. Superverse got a lot of praise, and Sammy Kelly had a hell of a match with Kenny Omega a few weeks ago. Let's just say. Now I also like where he comes in here and says this. I say all this not as an impact fan for over a dozen years, but as someone who loves sports entertainment and pro wrestling. There's no hate. I have nothing against anybody, as fans were better off when everyone is flourishing. And this ranges from WWE to the smallest indie promotions. In these uncertain times, we should show our gratitude by supporting everyone. And reminding, remember that United Wrestling doesn't have to be a dream, but it can be a reality. Kyle, spot on. Thank you for that. That's where things are. This new wrestling alliance is a wonderful thing. Because... Overall, AEW will probably be the biggest beneficiary because they will down the line pretty soon. I want to say by the end of the year, AEW Dynamite could be teasing 1.5 million viewers regularly. I don't know what really got the whole change to it, but when they got back on Wednesday nights consistently after the NBA playoffs, something kicked in. But that show's consistently now drawing. Whatever happened, people are there. And we're starting to get some people watching wrestling. What I want to know is if we're getting younger viewers watching any of these shows. Because I imagine the younger viewers are coming to AEW and not WWE. Because the WWE continues to go after the older audience. An eroding audience of diehard fans with an eroding base of part-timers that can only keep out coming out there for so long but that's what they're going to do anyway they have no choice so i understand where they're coming from there but there's a whole lot more to be said now why is it that the alternative for the wrestlers we know the wrestlers completely benefit from this the fans wwe diehard fans they don't know any difference they're not willing to go ahead and try out anything else it's like vanilla ice cream. That's what you want. Well, I like different flavors, okay? That's as, as simple as the, as the scenario goes. Malachi Black actually had talked about the creative processes between AEW and WWE, which is interesting. Plus, he's not been the only one. We've heard of many people talking about cross-promotion in the past year or so. I'm only going to take two examples. So right now, Malachi Black talking about what he could do 
in AEW. He was on the Wrestling Perspective podcast. He praised the collaborative nature of the creative process, pointing to some of the company's veterans for their willingness to help other members of the roster. He also said, the attitude toward the pressure of developing storylines is easy to face because there's a genuine optimism about the process. He says, quote, from what I see, the open lines of communication with Tony Khan is what everyone keeps keeps everyone sane. Tony's open for everything, wants to talk about to everyone, has ideas for everyone, and gives everyone a platform to express and create. And if you struggle, Tony's there to help you. And a lot of the other people are there to help you too. There's again, there's this wealth of knowledge that is there to help you. So regardless of what you want to say about the veterans that have moved over to WWE, hey, they might be in roles on the roster. Matt Hardy might be taking a spot. Christian Cage might be taking a spot. Big Show working commentary. Mark Henry working behind the scenes. Sting coming out there working alongside Darby Allen. All these veteran great promo cutters and former wrestlers working as managers. From Tully Blanchard to Jacob St. Roberts to Taz. Shit. Conan. Come on. You got great talent over here and a lot of mentorship on that roster. And this is resonating to the other rosters. From Impact Wrestling, having the likes of Tommy Dreamer working over there in that product. And Gail Kim, and just think about it. There's just all this veteranship and all these people working together to work on things. There's so much there. Malachi Black actually mentioned that, you know, in the WWE, we got to come up with something. Come on, guys. We got to come up with something. It's got to happen right now. This is what they want. Let's go. And I get it. And I mean, there's pressure, sure. And there needs to be a level of pressure because you're going to also need to be able to withstand that. But I feel here, it's, hey, we're going to work it out. We're going to figure it out. And they mean it. Yeah. No undue pressure. And one of the stars you've been working right now is with Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh. <laughs> Could have mentorship. Black said he wanted to pick Robert's brain because he is renowned for his promo work. He also shared his appreciation for feedback as it always helps him improve. One of the things I've been doing is talking to Jake about his promo work and his stuff because I just want to get inside his head with it. I wanted to tell me you'd be an idiot not to talk about him about that stuff, right? That's what this is all about. I think that the old timers, they have so much valuable information. They have such a great perspective on wrestling and they have so many things to tell you. And again, I feel fortunate to land in another company where people like that are around to help me because I'm never above help. I'm never above asking. I'm never above giving feedback. I love getting feedback. This guy gets it. This is what the other wrestlers, what the, the likes of other wrestlers coming in and the, the, the true opportunity that a Malachi Black and Andrade, they've gotten some praise from the biggest company in the world. But now to get the adulation and to get the respect of the true fans of wrestling and to truly hone the craft of the sport without any obstacles. That's great stuff. It's wonderful. I love it all. Finn Balor actually talked about a few months back, talking about wanting to see more cross-promotional work. I know he's probably still under contract, but down the line, could we ever see the Prince go somewhere else? Well, we now know that in the company, it's pretty obvious that WWE is trying to hold on to him, and they're doing a lot to go and make sure he's happy because he's back on the main roster again and they're using him as such we don't have any clue what his contract looks like yet I'm looking right now I don't see anything that says anything about it so we have to wait but what it comes down to is he said back in February he talked to Bleacher Report's Graham Matthews First of all, he said with NXT, they should cross-promote. It should be a more of a cross-promotional effort like it was before where, you know, the main t the titles could be defended on Raw and SmackDown and a way they crossed before. He talked about cr more cross-promotional work in pro wrestling back in February, saying AW World Champion Kenny Omega and New Japan Pro Wrestling's Kenta, Impact World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, have recently come together to form different promotions from different promotions to represent the pool of club. And while it's likely we will not see WWE or NXT get involved with that, 
Balor hopes to break down the barriers. He sees no reason why it cannot and should not happen. He said, quote, I know there's a lot of cross-brand work going on, which is something I've been an advocate for for years. I don't feel like we should be limited to what our contract says or what company we work for. I feel like wrestling on the whole can be better if we all work together. So if that means me going to Japan or going to Europe or going to Mexico, I'm down to do that. I'm all for the open border policy, not just between countries, but companies as well. Amen. We all. That's the overall subject right now is opportunity. This message right here that Finn Balor also claimed the same thing is what this new wrestling alliance is going to do. This is an overall winning plan. And so down the line, we know that WWE is going to have to go and come to a reckoning that this new wrestling alliance, if AEW comes to the top and other companies start making their way up and become the third tier promotions, getting some praise, it will be the same scenario as before where you have AEW much in the same size and scale as WCW because now that second show is coming up in two weeks. Impact Wrestling can continue to find their way a little bit more, growing their way up, getting themselves to about maybe 200,000, 300,000 views, something like that. Getting themselves back up to some kind of spot. Being that perennial third number three company, much to the level of what ECW is, with a different style, a different hybrid, MLW, NWA, Ring of Honor, also doing their own individual things. In that same vein, right underneath Impact Wrestling, with all that happening, it only should force the WWE to notice. And they need to do something about their competition because it will be a competition unlike ever seen. That's what needs to happen. A couple of things I was going to bring up too was uh, Paul Heyman is no longer on Talking Smack. It's now Pat McAfee that's on that show. And there was some talk uh, in the story about how this is a, a really an indication of how the creative issue is going on right now. Sports Illustrated and Justin Barrasso wrote this last week. He talked about the fact that fans are back at the crowd. Ratings are up. New life has been ejected into the product. The honeymoon period, I call it. But for how long? The standard operating procedures to highlight the current stars in case of John Cena and Bill Goldberg. Legacy stars instead of consistently making new ones. And he talked about how talking smack I can add a realism and authenticity to the very scripted WWE product. So there was that thought process with that. But there's excitement now on all the shows. People are getting to feel that now. Now, Justin goes on to say that the COVID-19 era should have been an opportunity to make new stars, which is what happened to NXT. It seemed on its way to happening on Raw during the Heyman era, but plans changed. The intention here is not to bash Mr. McMahon. McMahon and company president Nick Khan have WWE in a position to make even more of a profit than it did last year. We haven't even mentioned the fact that they're going back to Saudi Arabia and doing a Queen of the Ring tournament over there. McMahon's job is to ultimately raise the stock, drive a profit for shareholders. It's not the fans that are the priority. They are important in a sense because of the money they generate from them. But criticism is still fair. He has not accepted the cultural change and digestion of the product and what it takes to get someone over in 2021. And at the rosters, overflowing with a collection of the most talented women and men in the industry, long-term creative needs to be the focal point. We talk about it, yada, yada, yada. But what are they going to do that? At what point are they going to finally pay attention? And what can I say, man? One of the easiest shows I could rant this week was this. And I hope you appreciate the fact that I decided to go in this route and just really explain how important this is, the changes that are going on right now, and to really take note and check out the other shows. Catch an episode of Impact Wrestling now. Catch MLW on YouTube. Go get a subscription for NWA on Fight TV or find out however you're going to find it. All this. Again, we're going to have more shows coming up now than ever before and more shows to go ahead and talk about than we ever have, which is wonderful. There's just so much more to be said. Coming up, so, all right, SummerSlam, TakeOver 36, coming up end of the next month. 
And then the week after that, NWA Empower and NWA 73, August 28th, 29th. Wonderful. And all out for AW September 5th. So much going on. It's really, really great stuff. Now, that said, also some other things going on we learned about from FIFO.com that WWE has more corporate layoffs. And FIFO's like told, was told that WWE has laid off some more corporate employees and a couple of departments such as marketing, shop areas, and other consumer product areas. But no talent cuts are expected during these layoffs. But some of these people were spoken to, they've been let go over the last few months, told by people in the company there could be a good chance they could be brought back. So a little maneuvering because of the quarter two financial earnings. Which actually come up tomorrow as I record the show on the 29th of July. We'll see what happens with that. We'll get to talk about if there's anything that comes out of that next week. But there's just so much more. It's really, really great stuff. A good time to be a wrestling fan. Part of the fact that WWE right now is dealing with this new wrestling alliance. Come back for another Wrestling Observer podcast next week because wrestling needs us. Thank you for listening to the Wrestling Is Real podcast. You can find all previous episodes at WrestlingIsReal.com or subscribe to the show on all major podcast outlets, including Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Follow the King of Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at King of Podcasts. And search King of Podcasts on YouTube or type youtube.com slash jbrasco951. This has been a presentation of the King of Podcasts Radio Network.